Welcome to Exit Capitalism Stage Left. I am Amanda Riggle, and this podcast is brought to you by the Maggie Fair Institute for Democracy and Human Rights. The primary purpose of the Maggie Fair Institute for Democracy and Human Rights is to educate people, especially young people, about democracy and human rights. This purpose will be achieved through, but not limited to, such practices as hiring an educator, sponsoring projects, sponsoring forums and workshops, showing educational films, operating a library, developing educational materials, and podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Today, we are going to be talking about mutual aid, what it is, uh, what the purpose is, and I'm going to be sharing some personal experiences as far as organizing a mutual aid organization and events go. First, let's go ahead and start by defining what mutual aid is. And this definition of mutual aid comes from Zelly or at Zelly Manny on Twitter. Mutual aid is a principle, not a particular act. Capitalist ideology teaches us that we can attain greater success, gauged as, quote, freedom and stability through being individualistic, competitive, and exploitative. Mutual aid challenges this ideology, and that's why it's a threat. Mutual aid is a practice. It is the act of individuals working together to meet their community interests. Capitalism suggests you go further ahead and get ahead through coercion and domination. Mutual aid says we are better off as a society and as individuals through solidarity and cooperation. Again, not through coercion or domination. Mutual aid is not charity. Charity, or what Ferrari calls false generosity, targets the symptoms of inequality. False generosity isn't false because it doesn't help people. It's false because it addresses the symptoms rather than the root cause of its oppression. And that root cause is capitalism. The radical principle of mutual aid is radical because it gets to the root of the problem. Capitalism accumulates wealth and power into the hands of a small class who live off the work of the rest of society. This is only possible through exploitation, coercion, and domination. What separates the homeless from shelter is not a lack of homes, but an economy and value system that prioritizes property over human life. Food rests on grocery store shelves, in warehouses, or in landfills, and not in the homes of the hungry because of an economic and value system that prioritizes for greater profit instead of greater good. Mutual aid is the necessary value for a more just, humane, and equitable society. Mutual aid is the necessary practice, not just in that future society, but it is a necessary practice to model and build that future society. Mutual aid is the link between individuals, society, and nature. Mutual aid is how we meet everyone's needs and protect nature. Mutual aid is how we build and sustain relationships. Mutual aid is how we win. And again, that de- definition is not my own. That comes from Zelly or at Zelly Manny on Twitter. Now that we have a definition for mutual aid, I'd like to talk about the resurgence of mutual aid that we've been really seeing around the globe. Um, but my experience is personally uh, for the past year here in Riverside, California. And this has been in response to the city, the county, and the state falling short in its support of people during the COVID-19 crisis. 
well, I have the most experience organizing, cooking, and distributing food as part of Riverside Food Not Bombs. I and my other comrades in the area have also worked with multiple mutual aid groups and organizations in putting on a larger free market, which is exactly what it sounds like. Everything there is free, called the Riverside People's Free Market. Together for two or more weekends a month, depending on the organization and how often we're able to kind of organize and get time off. We've fed, clothed, and given out sanitation goods, handed out sleeping bags and tents, wagons, carts, water, first aid kits, um, electrolyte packs, especially here where the, it's gotten to like 119 on some weekends. It's insanely hot. Um, but we've given these to over 100 people per weekend that we get together. And as of right now, we have two free markets taking place. Uh, the first is uh, the Riverside People's Free Market, which is at Fairmont Park, which by the tennis courts, that are, it's a rather larger park with like a pond and a lot of geese. Um, but we have it marked on Google Maps, so it's really easy to find. If you just type in Riverside People's Free Market, we were able to pin it. And people can come there from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, and that involves Riverside Mutual Aid, Riverside Food Not Bombs, Cat 911, Commune IE, Punks in the Park, SJH Mutual Aid, and the Concern QUSs of Riverside. Um, the second is the San Bernardino Free Market, called the San Bernardino Free Market, which takes place the fourth Saturday of the month from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Sacombe Lake Retreat area, and the address is 106 East 5th Street in San Bernardino, California. Many of the same organizations that work at the Riverside People's Free Market also contribute to the San Bernardino Free Market, uh, and they also receive additional help from the Hygiene Project. Additionally, there have been movements towards a free market out in Hemet, California, another city in the Inland Empire, uh, as well as past uh, markets uh, from the Mountain Mutual Aid Network in the mountains of San Bernardino. And those markets, like the rest of our markets and the rest of our mutual aid groups, really depends upon the people organizing and our schedules to be able to kind of get together, in addition to kind of community support and donations. One major thing is that all of the people who are participating in these mutual aid networks are generally workers, we're laborers, we're um, for Riverside uh, Food Not Bombs a lot of us are students of some sort, just because we're the ones who kind of got together. We, um, a lot of us were working on uh, the COLA movement or the cost of living adjustment at UCR for grad students to get an increase in pay from um, the UCs, which are the largest employers in the state of California that do not pay a living wage to their TAs, which they depend on for a lot of classes and labor. And they pay even less for their research assistants who are currently trying to organize and their union has just been denied recognition by the UC. That's a whole other topic, but we're not wealthy. Um, we don't have an excess of food or cash or, or time, but what we do have are skills and a desire to help each other. So that's really where mutual aid comes from. It's not uh, how much we have, it's how much we're willing to kind of like ask for help and receive that help and give help. Um, a lot of the resources that 
all of our orgs get are from the community. We put up a post on like Instagram or our website saying we are trying to buy tents. Uh, that's a really good example because we had a tent campaign and we were able to raise money for 27 tents at our one of our free markets. And within the first 30 minutes, all of those tents were claimed. And it wasn't from people taking multiple tents or hoarding tents or anything like that. The only uh, people we saw picking up two tents were holding one for one of their friends who needed to come and get a tent but weren't close enough. Um, and yeah, again, all of those tents were gone in a half hour, but really we put up a post saying we needed tents and within two days we had $1,000 uh, to buy tents. And that was all small donations from the community. A lot of times our food comes from the community as well. Uh, Riverside Food Not Bombs does food collections the first Saturday of the month for like pantry and dry goods and whatever people in the community want to bring. A lot of times um, we get donations directly from the farmer's market and the farms here in Riverside. We are very, very, I guess, fortunate to have a lot of farmland around here and to have a lot of farmers who are willing to kind of like help us out. Um, there's also a farm called Overflow Farms in the area where some of our volunteers will go volunteer and work and they um, give volunteers food to take home and they also give food directly to different organizations that are there to try to help people. Uh, we've also gotten a lot of food from Riverside Mutual Aid Network. They really do focus on giving a lot of uh, pre-made groceries, ready-to-eat groceries um, and produce, boxed goods, to people within the community. They do something like 100 to 200 bags of groceries that are designed to feed a family of four every time they do an event. And they really do focus on the east side of Riverside, which is one of the lower income um, areas that doesn't get a lot of aid. A, really any kind of help or resources from the city. It's just considered a poor area of Riverside and is therefore neglected. And I guess while I'm talking about uh, Riverside Mutual Aid, I should talk about some of the other organizations in the area, and then I'll go into more details about Food Not Bombs. So one of the groups that I mentioned uh, was CAT 911, which is a community action team. Uh, it is a national organization with multiple groups, and the one in Riverside is focused on finding, well, I guess all of them are focused on finding community um networks and alternatives to 911. So it's looking for ways the community can respond to things that hurt and happen within the community rather than calling the police who tend to be overly violent um, and not trained to actually handle many of the situations they are called into. Next is Commute IE or Community. Um, <laughs> it's Commute and then IE in parentheses because we're in the Inland Empire. Um, even the organizers are still trying to figure out how to quite say the name. Um, but this really started as a desire to kind of make sure people had hygiene resources during COVID-19. The original organizers just kind of got together with packets of masks and sanitation goods and drove around and handed them out to unhoused people. Uh, and they became more of an org um, that came out, they do that still, but they came out and started helping us form the Riverside People's Free Market. Um, and they put together all kinds of sanitation goods. And again, just like 
We do. Um, they rely on the community for help. So they kind of put up a post and say, hey, uh, right now we have enough resources for like five hygiene kits and we want to reach 100 before the next Saturday. And people donate um, unopened sanitation goods or they donate you know, money so we can go out and, or they can go out and get those sanitation goods. Um, it includes things like, yeah, hand sanitizer, masks, personal um, hygiene goods for people who uh, have periods, things of that nature, uh, napkins. They even give out like water and also like those electrolyte packets um, that really help out people in the heat that we have out here in Riverside. Uh, next is Punks in the Park, which do pretty similar. They're a more recent group that came in and they also focus on hygiene and hygiene kits. They also give out kind of like dry pantry goods, ready to eat food, bars, chips. Um, and the way they raise money for it is pretty unique. They actually put concerts on on Instagram um, and people can live stream and donate through either purchasing or giving money to them uh, for putting on these concerts. And then we have uh, SJH Mutual Aid, which is another mutual aid organization that's forming their uh, free market. And they come down with food, sanitation, and other goods, including clothing, which is a really big thing that the free market does is we provide a ton of clothing and shoes. Um, but they come down, they help store, they help sort, they help gather, and they have their own kind of table where they give out goods to the community as well. And last but not least, we have the concern uh, UUSs of Riverside, which is the social justice uh, group from the Universalist Unitarian Church of Riverside. Um, and Unitarian tends not to be like religious religious. It tends to be more activist focused um, and more about community care. And it's actually uh, interesting. Their church is one of the older ones in Riverside. Um, Riverside Food Not Bombs works with them. Uh, we're able to kind of like use their space to store foods and gather donations. And really without um, the aid of the Unitarian Church, it would be really hard for any of us to organize. They give us a lot of storage space. We have Gosh, one uh, day, our, our collections for um, August, we got three carloads, and I cannot emphasize enough, carloads of um, clothing for the free market. And again, everybody who is part of these mutual aid groups, we're all um, between generally like under 40 um, we don't own homes. We don't have a lot of space. Um, so we couldn't store these things and we couldn't really afford to pay for our storage space without the help of the Unitarian Church. And so we were able to store all of those clothing donations there. Um, we also last month got and I cannot not exaggerating. We got 30 boxes of produce. Um, which contained enough produce to feed a family of four in each box for a week. Um, probably actually a little bit more than that, thinking about how much we got in each box. And again, we, if without the um, refrigeration at the church, they have a large kind of like um, commercial refrigerator, double door, huge, huge. Um, without having that there to kind of store some of these goods before we could use it, we wouldn't have been able to make use of those 30 boxes of produce and make, I think we did over 300 meals last month to give out to people. Um, and so having that space is really important because we're able to kind of like go to the farmer's market, ask, you know, Riverside Mutual Aid, ask all these different um, organizations that give out food if we can have some. 
um, and then we're able to kind of refrigerate it or store it. Uh, we just went through our dry donations. We have a literal case of rice, a case of different pastas, a case of canned beans, another case of dried beans, a separate case that's full of dried lentils and peas. Um, we have canned vegetables and tomatoes. Uh, we also have a crate full of spices and we wouldn't be able to store all of that at home. It is through the Unitarian Church that we're able to um, actually have a lot of access um, because space becomes a really important part of what we do and what we're able to kind of gather and give out. Um, And we also think about the clothing and the seasons. For example, in the winter, all of our groups were trying to collect more uh, warmer clothing. Um, But now that it's summer, we've been trying to kind of pull away from those heavy winter coats and those heavy blankets. And we're trying to find things that are more like appropriate um, for again, 120 degree weather, we're thinking things that might cover, but also breathe. Um, and we try to bring out what it, we can use. And we try to also, if things don't get pe- picked up uh, a few times at the market, we find like local community shelters that are taking clothing um, and we try to organize with them and drop things off. So things don't just kind of sit in storage and never get used if there's something that is of use. And people bring by all kinds of things, not just um, clothing. We've been trying to get more jewelry and makeup and other goods. So people who um, need to look quote unquote presentable. This is again, a, like a corporate kind of like capitalist labor, like forced labor <laughs> idea of what um, is acceptable. You know, people who are like female identifying need to wear makeup and look cer- a certain way. Um, we try to make sure that we get those goods there as well. Um, we also work with multiple businesses and I should point them out too because they are helping out the community. Um, one is Plantos, which is a vegan um, like Mexican spot that just opened in Riverside and they've been actually donating uh, tons of plant-based meats that they make in-house, rice and beans. We actually got a, a huge crate of lemons from them too, which we're still trying to sort through. Um, and they came to us and they volunteered directly to give us food. And they even talked about helping us cook, which is really nice. Um, and I'll get into um, the cooking for Riverside uh, Food Not Bombs in a bit. Um, and then there's also uh, Slow Bloom, which is a worker-owned coffee collective that came out of the ashes of um, Augie's Coffee Shop. And for people who don't know the story behind Augie's, um, Augie's workers tried to organize and unionize and Augie's fired them all. And so the workers filed a lawsuit, which they won. And Augie's had to shut down. And again, out of the ashes of Augie's came Slow Bloom. Um, They're based in Redlands, California, but they donate a lot of coffee to us when we do um, the free market. We get a lot of cold brew when we're able to have somebody go up there and kind of pick some up when they do their distributions. Um, There's also Mama Barista Vegan Bakery. She will make us cookies when we ask. Um, We don't think that you know people should just take whatever food they're given uh riverside food not bombs is vegan vegetarian because all food not bombs are vegan vegetarian and because like myself and many of our uh people who volunteer to cook are vegans a lot of our food tends to lean towards vegan um but we also want to make the food taste good and we want people who eat the food to be satisfied with it and to be happy. It's not just here's a plate of greens that we were given and we threw some salad dressing on top. We really do put a lot of effort into what we make and we think people don't 
just deserve to eat. They deserve to eat good food. Um, and those cookies from Mama Barista, wow. Like, I didn't know they were vegan at first. They looked very tempting the first time I saw them. I didn't take one because I didn't know. And I found out later um, that, yeah, everything she makes is vegan. She has these beautiful s'mores cookies, for example. Um, I think there were some left over one time at the end of the market. And I was like, oh, I'll take like these last three cookies. You know, the market's over and nobody's here. But then somebody walked up and I'm like, okay, here, take all the cookies. Um, but absolutely beautiful. I think um, she does distribution at the San Bernardino Farmer's Market or the, the Redlands Farmer's Market, sorry. Um, but then she also will, you know, make cookies for us at cost, which she's a very small business and that makes sense. And it's absolutely fantastic to to have that food as part of what we distribute. Um, and then we also get a lot of support from Love Amaro Pizzeria, which is a vegan um, kind of chef caterer. Um, he had a little spot in Riverside, but he wasn't able to kind of like stay there. So he does a lot of um, like markets, different farmers market. He does like the Corona one. He does one that is uh, just reopened in Riverside. Um, I know he goes down to like the vegan fair in Santa Ana, for example, but he's really helped us out with um, gathering a lot of clothing. He's also helped us with supplies. So a lot of our packaging um, Riverside Food Not Bombs because of the pandemic decided to individually package all of our food. So people get like one to two servings um, in each pack and they can take as much as they want. Um, and it also makes it a little bit more portable, able to go, able to save for later. But a lot of that packaging um, comes from like the support of Love Morrow Pizzeria. Now, Food Not Bombs is a pretty old organization, um, and if you are part of kind of like the punk or lefty scene, it's decently well known. But for those who aren't aware uh, of what Food Not Bombs does specifically, this is the mission statement off of the uh, Riverside Food Not Bombs site. And this is adapted from a statement on the National Food Not Bombs site. So when a billion people go hungry each day, how can we spend another dollar on cops? Food Not Bombs is an all-volunteer movement that recovers food that would otherwise be discarded um, or is direct from sources and not from a capitalist system and shares free vegan and vegetarian meals with the hungry in over a thousand cities in 65 countries in protest to war, poverty, and the destruction of the environment. We are not a charity, but dedicated to taking nonviolent direct action. Our movement has no headquarters or positions of leadership, and we use the process of consensus to make decisions. We also provide food and supplies to the survivors of natural disasters and people participating in occupations, strikes, marches, and other protests. Delving a little further in how we started our chapter, Food Not Bombs is an international mutual aid organization where anyone, as long as they follow some pretty loose guidelines and health protocols, e.g., vegan and vegetarian food, no dumpster diving, try to avoid capitalism as much as possible when obtaining goods, etc., can start their own chapter. We've personally also taken extra precautions with COVID and have added a layer of prep where everything is made with gloves and a mask in a sanitized kitchen, and all the food is individually packaged for distribution or packaged as like a meal, like you would get um, to go at a restaurant. We really do try to make things look nice and taste nice. Um, there is a national website for Food Not Bombs, 
but honestly, it doesn't seem to be getting updated with new chapters all that quickly. Um, Riverside Food Not Bombs was revived by community members who have previous experience organizing. Um, there are people from the IEDSA, uh, the COLA protests at UCR, as previously, previously mentioned, and other kind of anarchist-leaning people in the area. To get started, we made an Instagram and instantly we were getting support from the community and people were hitting us up and giving us donations. Um, there's a deli in the area. Um, I think it's like Maria's Italian Deli. Uh, one of the workers there was actually giving us their leftover bread. They've since moved on and it's been harder to get bread from them, but we also have so many other donations coming in now that we um, haven't really needed to go and ask for bread from them, but that was really good support in the beginning and one of the first people to kind of reach out to us and, and give us aid. Um, but yeah, so Instagram, people were just hitting us up and giving us donations. We also got a lot of volunteers through making an Instagram. Um, and we also got community members just volunteering to make and bring food that fit in with that vegan vegetarian guideline. We started also meeting regularly over Zoom and we've since switched over to Google Meet, which limits us to an hour, um, but isn't on any of our kind of like personal school accounts. So it's a little bit better. Um, and then we started talking to other organizations that we knew that were interested in mutual aid uh, and reaching out through kind of the previous networks we had from our own groups that uh, we came from. Uh, so we were talking to like Riverside Mutual Aid and we actually did our very first ever um, organizing event with them where we made, I believe, like 80 sandwiches for, with the bread from um, Maria's Italian Deli um, that were like hummus and veggie. And we gave those out. And we also had a gluten-free option. I think it was curry and rice. Um, and that was, um, I think, well over a year ago. That was um, early 2020 when we were all sent home. Uh, I want to say like June 2020. Um but yeah, we, we were giving out sandwiches with the uh, week long, well, a few different prepared meals for those uh, weeks worth of, or with those weeks worth of groceries that Riverside Mutual Aid was providing to the community. Um, we have done events at like the Carousel Mall in San Bernardino with IEDSA, and then we're able to kind of do distributions and uh, organize events through the Universalist Unitarian Church in Riverside which is a location that a lot of groups, um, All of Us or None, which is a prison abolitionist group, um, IEDSA and other orgs that we know um, use as a location for meetings. And they were able to give us, again, some space and even help us organize the free market. They even come out and give out water um, and talk to people at the markets themselves. So the if you are interested in starting anything like a Food Not Bombs or really any of these mutual aid groups, uh, those are some really good tips on getting started. Um, the It's listed as the next steps or the steps on the Food Not Bombs website are also pretty solid in starting your own chapter. Um, first and foremost, you really wanna get your core group of volunteers that you know will be down to work. It's really great, to, it's really great not gate. It's really great to, um, get volunteers from the community and we've made a lot of new comrades and friends from the community and people who want to step up as well as these other organizations that um, we started working with to make the free market but you really do need to have a core group of people that you know um, that you can organize with to get started uh, it's really hard to kind of get anything going because everybody has a variable schedule so you need somebody that you know or a few people that you know will be able to kind of like work with your schedule so you guys are able to at least carry it when um, volunteers get busy. 
And there's, again, family, there's taking care of yourself, there's dealing with COVID, dealing with work. There's also, because we are very near uh, UCR, um, there's school, there's um, the uh, Riverside Community College here, there's all kinds of, I think we have Cal Baptist in the area. Um, There's a lot of people who go to school in the area that are participating in this, and depending on like their school schedule, their final schedule, right? People might have to kind of step down. Um, a lot of our people who aren't in school or have just graduated, uh, well, either teach at, at a school or tutor at a school. And so even their um, schedules are dependent upon school. So we just need to make sure we have like that core group of people that are able to help out at a specific time, um, or at least work with you and coordinate times that you know you can kind of depend on when you get started. Um, so that plus the people who come and go, like really for us has worked very well. Um, Next, you want to create some of those social media profiles and start doing community outreach and have a meeting to find some more community support and additional members and additional volunteers. Um, After that, it's really about finding food, Um, that you can kind of give out. A good first step is calling those grocery stores in your area and let them know that you're like legally, the technical term is gleaner. Um, And that means you're looking for donations that is food that they're going to kind of like put out or throw out that they've decided is no longer like good, but can still be consumed. Usually something like ugly tomatoes, things that are going to go bad if they don't sell them by the end of the day, they get rid of kind of earlier. And so usually you can kind of like reach out directly to grocery stores, say you're gleaning, say what for organization, and they'll um, tell you when to come pick up goods before they're put out into the dumpster. Again, Food Not Bombs website makes a very big deal. No dumpster diving. It's not like a judgment on people who dumpster dive. If that's a personal practice, that is fine. It's more about um, sanitation precautions during COVID especially, but just sanitation precautions for good th- for foods and goods that you're kind of giving out to the community. So like, well, it might be a personal choice for you, Um, It's not a choice of maybe some of the people consuming the food. Um, And it also, if the dumpster is easily accessible to us, it would also be easily accessible to people who are unhoused. So it does kind of seem like it's taking food resources directly from people who could otherwise access those sources. So not a big fan of the practice for Food Not Bombs, have no problem with it on a personal level. Um, But again, the Food Not Bombs website specifically says do not dumpster dive for Food Not Bombs food. Um, but then there's also reaching out to like local farms, going to farmer's market. We were very surprised. We have, um, those collapsible, collapsible wagons. And usually when we go down to the farmer's market and let people know who we are and what we do, um, they readily give us, uh, carts full of produce where we're able to feed again, like a hundred people, a mix of our dry goods and pantry goods and those fresh vegetables to really make a round and complete meal for people. Um, and then there's also organizations like, previously mentioned Overflow Farms and Riverside Mutual Aid that do give out food that you're able to kind of talk to. Um, Feeding America is another source that I think the previous Food Not Bombs chapter used in order um, to get food. And so Feeding America is a national food bank. And so that would be another good place to kind of reach out to, um, to look for donations for food to prep. Um, so after you kind of locate your food sources, the next thing you really want to do is set a date and location. Parks are always a good place to start. And then you want to start distributing the food you've prepped. Um, 
we are lucky that we have a location that we could prep in and we've had volunteers previously prep food in their houses following our guidelines, the mask, the sanitized kitchen, the gloves, um, the individually kind of packaged food that is stored uh, in a refrigerator before we give it out. So we, we have those kind of in place, but then we were able to find a location where, again, we could store food, cook food um, together. So it does make it a little bit easier in our case. Um, but pretty soon, once you have all of those things in place, you're going to have a bunch of volunteers, a really solid supply line, and a bunch of orgs with no leadership where everybody kind of just does their part and does the community support. Uh, it is a lot of maybe initial labor to get started, but once it's going and once all those things are in place, it's pretty self-sustaining. Um, really, the most labor that we do is cooking the food. And sometimes like when we didn't get a ton of like direct donations and we got those 30 boxes of produce from Riverside Mutual Aid, um, a lot of the work is showing up, unpacking, cleaning, because it was fresh from the farm and, and there were ants. Um, we were trying to be as kind as possible and get the, get the ants off the food. Um, and there was a couple caterpillars that we, were, we put outside. Um, but like, we didn't know what was actually in those produce boxes and Riverside Mutual Aid didn't know what was in those produce boxes until we opened them. They came directly from um, a farmer and they were the yield from that day. Um, so it was extremely fresh produce that we were able to kind of obtain and prep and give out. So once you have all of that in place, again, very easy to keep going. A lot of the work is just in the food prep and the distribution. And we're always trying to think of uh, ways to get kind of like more volunteers involved and to up our ability to kind to kind of serve, um, especially considering that Labor Day, a lot of the um, worker protections and f like checks home and support have ended. Um, yeah, a lot of what we've been trying to do is up our service since then because there's going to be more people who need food, who need sanitation, who need um, some kind of shelter. So the the best thing we can do is kind of like up our service. Um, but those are really where our focuses are right now is our, where the efforts are since we have all that set up is making and distributing the food and finding more opportunities for distribution. So our mission statement is very much our own creation and goes off again of the national food, not bombs, anti-war and pro community model. And we've specifically addressed issues within our own community as far as police and policing goes. Um, and we say not a single dime in our city, our county, our state, or national funds should go to police and policing. That is a stance that our chapter of Food Not Bombs holds firmly. And um, from what we've been told, the previous Riverside Food Not Bombs, um, and this is from the people who used to organize that chapter, same chapter, older, you know, model, um, they used to do service in White Park and Riverside PD shut them down for having bomb in their name and being a terrorist organization um, because apparently the Riverside Police Department don't know what the word not means, right? Food, not bombs, but okay. Um, we haven't, uh, as this kind of reborn chapter of Riverside Food Not Bombs, we haven't been directly targeted by police yet. But when we do service at the Riverside People's Free Market in Fairmont Park, the police always show up. They drive by slowly. And we're pretty sure they're trying to kind of collect information from our license plates. We've seen them writing things down. And again, we are wearing masks because of COVID. Um, but we're pretty sure the police are trying to size us up too and figure out who we are. But we're just giving out food and clothes 
in a public space and because we're doing it um, in the sense of mutual aid and gleaners, there are no permits required because it is uh, considered a community service. We've looked up the legality of it. They can't do anything to us, but they still try to intimidate us. Um, And it's weird. The city of Riverside itself has reached out to us multiple times and asked us Again, us who are um, like undergrad or grad students who are severely underpaid by the UC, who rely on the support of the community and other organizations in order to make and provide these goods. They ask us to um, (laughs) go to unhoused shelters and to do various city events Um, instead of like having city goods and city labor and having the city actually pay for these things. We're baffled that the city is reaching out to us rather than using public funds to help people. We always do what we can, but we should not be a principal provider for the city and the city's unhoused programs. That's on the city and how they choose to fund a violent police force in the Riverside PD are very violent over helping the unhoused and other people in need. The city shouldn't be using us as a charity or approaching us like we're a charity because that's not what mutual aid is. We do support the city when they do endeavors like the free little pantry program. Um, They uh, did a small grant to encourage um, local people and local businesses to put out like little boxes, kind of like you see the free little libraries. It's a pretty similar thing. Um, In fact, some of the free pantries are next to free libraries. Um, And we do our best when we know of some in the area and we see that they're not being stocked. We take some of our ready to eat donations um, and we place them directly in those boxes and try to make sure that people have access to goods um, in these free little pantries. Um, But our first goal, first and foremost, is to feed people. And our second goal is to avoid doing so through capitalist measures and instead rely on the community and volunteer labor to provide what the city does not. Um, And we're not here to provide for the city, but for the people. Mutual aid is the community taking care of the community unconditionally. If we give you a meal, we don't care what your background is, uh, where you are from, what your record is, what your income level is, what your housing status is, etc. cetera. Uh, that's not true with charity and with city resources. Often these things come with conditions. You have to have a certain income level to qualify as needing need right? Needing aid, sorry. Um, You can't have a criminal history. You can't be addicted to anything or you must give up what you have or what you're addicted to in order to get help. Um, But the help is never around your addiction, right? It's just giving you some food or a place to sleep for the night. It doesn't really address like withdrawals or any of those kinds of symptoms. Uh, You have to be a citizen, etc. We do not judge. We do not restrict. We give freely and want nothing in return. What we do is for the community we're part of because we see the community is in need. We are not paid. Uh, We often, for those of us that are more physically fiscally stable or have regular stipends from being graduate students, spend money out of pocket to make sure this aid happens. Charity workers do have volunteers, but often their boards are paid and their workers are paid. Money given to charities and labor given to charities does not go directly to the people in need of help. Without capitalism, charity wouldn't need to exist, but the same cannot be said for mutual aid. Charity is often a tax write-off or addresses specific gaps, uh, going back to kind of that definition of uh, charity 
right? It's specific gaps in the capitalist system that exist due to exploitation. Mutual aid, on the other hand, is about filling in gaps caused by exploitation and really looking at what people need and what the community needs. It's not looking at government structures. It's not looking at qualifying. It's not looking at getting a tax write-off. It is really about the community taking care of the community and the community will always need to be taken care of. There's no such thing as a community that exists without its members. So that's the social contract we all sign as being part of a community. If your neighbor is in need, you come together and you help. If your community is hurting, you do what you can to make it better. Our motto is step up when you're able and trust your comrades to step up when you aren't able. It doesn't all always have to depend on you, but being a member of community is stepping up when you can. And when you can't, make sure that people know that and make sure that other people are there to kind of step in and help out. We believe in solidarity, not charity. And that's really how all aspects of the community should function in the eyes of people who are doing this mutual aid work. It's about us taking care of us. And with that, I'd like to thank you again for listening to Exit Capitalism Stage Left. My name is Amanda Riggle. I am your podcast host. And this podcast has been brought to you by the Maggie Fair Institute for Democracy and Human Rights.